Hello to everybody who manages to sneak back through when we're not looking. It's beautiful, anonymous. One hour, one phone call. No names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one on one. I think it'll be more fun, and I'll get to know you, and you'll get to know me. Hi, everybody. It's Chris, and welcome to a whole new era of beautiful anonymous. Uh, an exciting era, a, a, a bittersweet in some ways era, but ultimately an extremely optimistic era. And I will tell you, it has been a strange few months for your old buddy Chris Gethard, as he has figured out and fought for the future of this show, but we've landed on our feet in a really, really great way. Now, I'm going to explain the whole thing. I'm going to warn you right now, the intro for this episode is about 20 minutes long, because I know this audience really cares about the show. A lot of you, in a way that is so incredibly kind, really care about me, and I know there's going to be questions, so I tried to be really detailed about everything that's been happening the past few months behind the scenes, where things have landed, how it has affected me and the show, how I was feeling emotionally throughout all of it. wanted to just put it all out on the table for you. So if that's something that interests you, keep listening. If you're like, this is all cool, but I don't really care about the behind the scenes stuff, I just want the phone call. You're going to want to skip about 20 minutes ahead. It's about 20 minutes of explanation of everything that's gone down. So much love to the fans that have made this show what it is. You are a quiet but incredibly mighty fan base that has allowed it to survive and has changed my life forever. Stay tuned for all the tea. I'm going to spill all the tea. And the very first thing I have to say is that the show has survived, and I was not sure if it was going to, and it did. And I have learned that the reason it did is because of the passionate people who support this show, who listen to it, who support it, tell their friends about it. It's really, it's been a hard few months, but in a positive way, also an eye-opening few months, and a few months that ended really well. And that gave me my confidence back. Uh, so I will explain first, as always, I have shows coming up. need to let you know about the shows. Uh, got a lot of great stuff going on. Brooklyn, August 14th. That's going to be a hot show. That's me, Dave Ross, Monroe Martin, Claire O'Kane, and Sarah Sherman from Saturday Night Live. It's incredible to me that there's any tickets left for that one. Got to sell more tickets. Go ahead and do it. August 17th, Oklahoma City. 18th, Dallas. 19th, San Antonio, Texas. Those are all stand-up shows. I've got a whole bunch of shows all over New Jersey. It's part of my New Jersey is the World Tour. Most of them are sold out, but we still have tickets in Patterson, Flemington, Lanoka Harbor, and Hamilton as we speak. And then on top of it, September 7th is a big announcement ties into everything else that we're talking about september 7th i'll be on a show in anaheim california it's a free show it's part of an organization called laughing together laughingtogether.org all the other shows chrisgeth.com and you can find a link to the laughing together show there as well laughing together is a very special show it's part of a student mental wellness conference Features thus far me, Christy Cello, Aparna Nancherla, Nicole Byer, trying to nail down a couple other guests along the way. But guess what? Laughing Together is a organization I am helping to start. Uh, it ties in. You've heard over the past couple of years that I've been 
thinking about a, a little bit of a career shift and that a lot of people have been asking me, you know, you talked about applying to grad school for social work. I got into grad school, everybody. I wound up not going because I found this opportunity to work with this mental health organization called Wellness Together. And they're helping me to set up uh, an organization under their umbrella called Laughing Together. And there's going to be a whole lot of stuff where I'm linking up artists and students and teachers and art therapy and ways that I think artists can help kids with their mental health. And I've been working so hard on it since the beginning of May. And it feels good to finally tell you all about it. And our first ever event is this show at the Student Mental Wellness Conference that Wellness Together throws. This is September 7th at the Anaheim Convention Center. And we had a very funny thing happen where we realized, okay, for the comedy show to be good, that space is massive. So we need to shrink the space. And we found out to shrink the space... It's tens of thousands of dollars in costs to hang curtains and put up false walls. We said, man, that's a lot. We just need the room to be full. Maybe what we do is we just open the floodgates. So the show is being held for the teachers, the doctors, the social workers, the school administrators, all these people who come together at this conference who think really hard about mental health and students. The show is for them to have a fun thing to do as part of their conference. There's going to be a bar, and we're holding the show for them. But I realized, let's not spend tens of thousands of dollars hanging curtains and setting up false walls. If we need this space to feel full, just let people in. So it's free. You can come to a killer show. I mean, me, Aparna, Christy Cello, Nicole Byer, a couple more people that I'm still working on nailing down. You can come for free. You can learn more about this organization that I'm founding, Laughing Together. And I'm building from the ground up. You'll have a chance to make donations. We would love it if you came and made donations. But most of all, I'm like, let's just get some people in. Let's get bodies in the room. We don't need to spend $10,000 on curtains. Let's get bodies in the room. Pack it out. So if you want to come to a free show that's a hot show with a fantastic lineup, that's September 7th in Anaheim, Southern Californians. I would love to see you there. It's no joke. If you don't have a dollar to donate, you can still just come hang out for free. And I think you're going to really like hearing about the stuff that we're up to. And it's going to be a great, great night. Great night of comedy at the Anaheim Convention Center. Let's pack it out. LaughingTogether.org for tickets to that. Now, okay. Last week I announced it was our last episode on the Earwolf Network. I want to explain, let you know where we're at now. A lot of people might be saying, well, what's your new network? No network. We have gone independent and I saw a lot of people online in the Facebook group saying, oh, I bet he got scooped up by a much bigger network. I wonder if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. And then I saw some very heartening comments. People say, Chris knows the show. If he's feeling good about it, it's a good thing. And I think a lot of people would agree. Me independent is me at my best. This has been true for me when I was on public access television as a touring artist who prefers to go do music clubs instead of comedy clubs, as a writer, independence, it comes with a lot of hard work and with less infrastructure and less support, but it also means a lot more freedom. And I have that freedom now with the show and I love it. Um, basically I, I am not one to bite the hand who feeds me. Let me say that Earwolf did write by me for seven years. The people who worked on the show, Anita Flores, Jared O'Connell, the people up the chain, Cody and Colin, they're really good to me. Really good to me. doesn't change the fact that my contract was up 
And I'll just give you a brief timeline. And I'm not trying to talk bad, but I want to be honest. About four or five months before the contract was up, I started saying, hey, we should discuss it. I just want to nail down the next Beautiful Anonymous contract. And my manager started asking, and we just weren't getting an answer. And I started to sense that something was really wrong. And I think some of you started to sense that. And I started to get some messages online from people going, I'm getting the sense something is up. And then even at Beautiful Anonymous, some people started coming up to me in person saying, this is feeling like a little bit of a goodbye party right now. And I can tell you honestly, at that point in time, I wasn't sure. Um, two weeks before the contract was up. And I want to be clear. This was lawyers. This nonsense was from lawyers, not from Earwolf people. I mean, it was, you know, there's been so many corporate buyouts at Earwolf in the seven years I was there. And, and, and these new lawyers, their job is to negotiate. And they haven't been there for those seven years. And I was not getting love as, as like a long time Guy, and I'm not mad about it. They were doing their jobs, but they waited until two weeks before the contract was up. And um, when the contract came through, it was a massive reduction in the contract. And and let me be clear. The fact that I make any money podcasting, I'm insanely grateful for. I mean, this medium didn't exist 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Let alone, there's so many podcasts. Not everybody gets to walk this ride that I walked where it was successful really quickly and has sustained for all these years. And the numbers are smaller than they used to be. Used to be hundreds of thousands of downloads an episode. Now within the first 30 days we get, I'm told, like 50 to 70,000 and then it catches up over time. But you can see it, the numbers got smaller. So I said a reduction in pay is probably coming. I'm going to brace myself for it. But I was not expecting it to be as huge as it was massive and i really didn't feel good about the fact that the negotiating the tactic they used was to wait until two weeks before the contract was up because i think anybody listening to the show knows that for me immediately i go man you wait until two weeks out i have a four-year-old kid it's not cool that was the part that wasn't cool it was lawyers it was tactics i'm not mad at it I don't need anybody tweeting at Earwolf about it. I'm just trying to be full disclosure with you. Reached out to Earwolf. I said, guys, I, I, I have a lot of love. I was hoping this would go in a much simpler way. I have to see what else is out there. They said, we understand. And a lot of people were telling me, hey, man, the podcasting world right now, it's gotten really tight. Nobody's offering minimum guarantees for shows anymore. It's a really hard world out there. And I'm starting to think maybe I should just take the bad deal and... It was also only for one year. Usually they would give me two-year contracts. It was one year with this huge, huge pay cut that was really going to affect my family. I go, maybe I take it and get my ducks in a row and think about how to leave next year. And, and I'll also say this too. Some of you guys have sensed I am ready to settle down as a human being. And I am a very lucky person. And I do not want to sound like I'm complaining. But a lot of people right now are reading about the writer strikes and the acting strikes. I'm kind of a prime example of somebody who works and has like five or six full-time jobs at any given moment. And during the pandemic, I still lost my health insurance through the Screen Actors Guild. And a lot of that is because of the exact nonsense that people are picketing right now. And I'm sitting here going, I take every acting job and I go to Vancouver and I sit in a hotel. I once quarantined for two weeks to just work for a day and a half away from Cal, away from Hallie. And I don't love acting the way I used to. 
and I think I'm okay at it. My manager gets upset with me. He's like, you're a good actor. And I'm like, but it's so much stretch out and wait. And to go and have to go to a hotel room in Vancouver and be away from my family for weeks at a time to play a weird janitor on a Netflix show, Space Force, which I loved the show and it was a funny part, but I go, does this, am I, do, I'm doing this for health insurance. So in May, I started with this new organization, this mental health nonprofit, Wellness Together, and they gave me health insurance. They gave me a retirement fund. It's going to take care of my family. I go, ooh, I can probably tour a little bit less. I don't need to act anymore unless it's something I really want to be in. And if I don't act at all, that's fine. And between Beautiful Anonymous and this new nonprofit job, I will not be making the money I was making back when I had a TV show and book deals and HBO things. But I think anybody who listens to this show knows me well enough to know. I'm I'm very lucky that I am not in competition with myself. I, I've, I, I really try to avoid that American trap, that capitalist you have to make more money than you made last year to consider yourself successful. I'm sitting here going between Beautiful Anonymous and this new nonprofit job and me volunteering to drive my ambulance on Tuesdays. I think I feel so content. And then boom, two weeks out, here's your new contract. And me going, well, that dream's gone. But it wasn't. We had an agent who stepped in Um I've never been really someone who trusts agents. I feel a little exploited by the whole system of the Hollywood machine. People know this about me. This agent did a great, great, great job. He stepped in. In a world where I was told that it's so hard to get a deal, take what you can get, just take the bad deal, tough it out. In a year, the climate will be better, leave then. He found eight companies that gave me offers with minimum guarantees. It brought my confidence back. My confidence, uh, I'm going to get choked up, but my confidence has not been great the past few years. I've had to do a lot of soul searching about my momentum as an artist and how I used to feel a lot more relevant. And But I also realize some of it's been the choices that have allowed me to slow. I live in New Jersey now. I hang out with my kid a lot more than, than I would have when I was working at that pace. Those are choices I made. It's a beautiful thing. And I have this ability to slow down. And it's here. So anyway, let's cut to the quick. This agent went. People flipped out. I found out that especially the back catalog of Beautiful Anonymous is this titanic thing. That while the numbers are down of the people who listen every single week, we still have this passionate, dedicated following that goes and consumes the whole back catalog when they discover the show. And that apparently it's this massively powerful thing that's been a little bit of an underutilized sleeping giant. And there were a bunch of companies that said we could do some damage with this. And it brought my self-esteem right back. And I've never doubted this show, but I've doubted myself. And that stopped when I started to realize there were people out here going, man, we could work with you and we could do some damage. So happy to tell you it is not a network that has allowed the show to survive. There is an advertising company called AdvertiseCast who have offered me a five-year contract. Beautiful Anonymous will be around for five more years, and I cannot thank them enough, and I'm so excited. Now, still took a big pay cut, but like I said, the numbers are down. Of course you take a pay cut, but it wasn't as big a pay cut as was being asked of me in the past. It's one that I think 
feels fair. And the fact that it's at a five-year deal, I sit here and I'm a parent. I'm a parent who writes books and goes on the road and tours and works at a nonprofit and does this and runs the New Jersey is the world podcast and any number of things that I'm doing at any time because entertainment is now a gig economy. We've all been hearing this because of the strikes and I'm a living example of it. Okay. But I sit here and I go, they gave me this contract for five years. My son is still in preschool. I'm going to have a job until he's done with third grade. And I think of that and it brings me so much peace. So much joy. And I'm so happy to tell you that I think I'm back in a place where between Beautiful Anonymous and my new nonprofit job, building this new organization called Laughing Together, I'm going to be able to hang out a lot more with my kid for five years. And I don't need to take every gig that's dangled in front of me because I'm scared about insurance anymore. And I don't need to obsessively go on the road and be a workaholic because I'm competing with myself and all my peers. I'm, I'm, I'm past it. I'm too old for it. I cannot thank the agent who revitalized that conversation and found all these people. I can't thank every company who took the show seriously and made an offer. I can't thank Advertise, enough, Advertise Cast enough for nailing down this thing for five years. And like I said, they're not a network. They're going to handle the ad sales on the show. Everything else is just me, my friend Andrea Quinn. You've heard this name a lot. Andrea is a friend of mine. She does a lot of help on the New Jersey is the World podcast. She also does all the sound and engineering for our live, beautiful, anonymous shows. So it was a really seamless fit for her to step in and help out with this new version of Beautiful Anonymous. It's just on us now. As far as how this affects you as a listener, it shouldn't. Everything was transferred over. We own the whole back catalog. We own the RSS feed. Ideally, you're listening to this episode and it just downloaded as normal, uh, like every other Tuesday. And I'm hoping it didn't get messed up. But ideally, it should be a system where if you're subscribed to the show, you just stay subscribed and it's the same and just someone else is selling the ads. There are some other smaller things that will change. One thing I'll say is this. If you ever see merch for sale now from Beautiful Anonymous, it's going to help me and Hallie and Cal a lot more than it used to. Earwolf was a great company. Their merch deals were never good. And you saw, I never really pushed the merch that hard. And a big part of it was because it was not the most artist, in my opinion. I didn't, it wasn't great benefit to the artist. And I could, people would be like, why don't you bring beautiful anonymous t-shirts to your live shows? I'm like, I can't pack a whole suitcase and check a bag when I'm not really making money off of it. Not that I care so much about money, but I do care about checking a bag, you know? Now, if you see things like that, if there's anything out there about the show, it's driven 100% by me. And I got to say too, Earwolf was great, but I don't think the show was ever a great cultural fit. We all thought the show was going to be goofier and sillier. I often felt, you look at some of these great shows, Comedy Bang Bang, and how did this get made? And I'd love... Paul and Jason in June so much and some of the big shows they're very funny comedy focused and this show went in a totally different direction and I have this hope now that it might actually free us up that there might be a lot of listeners who used to listen who now find out that we're back here in this new situation and we've been here the whole time and they come and get back on board I have a feeling this might open up relationships with other shows that are culturally a lot more like our show and new people might be able to find us in this really great way I'm excited about it um, I'm also going to let you know, we're going to be launching a Patreon by the end of August. I know asking people to subscribe for anything 
is a tough ask right now. I just want to say, I'm going to keep it cheap and I'm going to make it good. And I want you to know it comes from me 100%. I feel so connected to this fan base. And I feel like some barriers of entry to that have been removed. And I get to speak a little more freely. Not just this week, but every week. I'm hoping I can really connect in ways that follow a little bit less of a structure that was mandated by, by some, some of the Earwolf mandates. And I can connect with you and I can let you know how I'm doing and where I'm at. And that can happen with the callers and it can happen with me to you, the listener, who I'm in your ear right now. Thanking you for listening to this on your commute or while you do laundry or while you wash your dishes, whatever it is. This Patreon is going to be a good, simple, It's I'm not going to have a million tiers. I'm going to keep it cheap. And I'm going to let you know right now, um, if you're somebody who's like, I might think about signing up someday. Signing up early will really help me and my family pay our mortgage. There's all these deals, like kickers. Like if you get X amount of signups and X amount of time, it's really going to help. So when I launch it, if you're somebody who's like, I'll try it for a month. Try it for the first month. And you might help pay for Cal's braces someday if he needs them, you know? And, and I don't want to sound like somebody who's begging or laughing about it. But I, I say it because it's exciting. It's exciting for me to know. When I ask things of you now, you can be 1,000% certain it's coming from me. It's not coming from a network. There haven't been back-channel conversations. A lot of podcast fans read. A lot of Earwolf hosts left a few years ago because there were some things that were being viewed as shenanigans. I'm not going to air those out. They took great care of me. What I will say is there were just a lot of conversations and a lot of... And I was pretty free from it because my show is just me. But, you know, when you're on a network, you're on a network and you play by the network's rules. I don't have to do that anymore. And the rules, I don't, I'm not trying to sit here and imply in any way that, that there was like strict, uh, strict regime weighing down on me. It's just any semblance of rules are gone now. And right now I'm just telling you, when I ask you about, hey man, let's make something happen. It's because it's me asking you to make it happen. And it's me trying to do it in a way that feels the absolute best for the show and the community surrounding it. And you can be certain that the money you spend is, is for the show you love. And it's a good thing. Man, was I scared for a while, everybody. But we get five more years. Man, that's no joke. Anyway, this has been long, but I love being honest. Thank you all so much for making it happen. Now, let's talk about this week's episode. This is the first one we recorded with Andrea at the helm. We've got some old ones where you might hear me reference some of the people from Earwolf, Anita and Jared, who worked on the show. We've got a couple other recordings still in the bank that we're going to release down the line. But for now, this is a friend from Alaska. I did not realize in time that it might be an old friend from Alaska. But this friend fills us in on some stunning stories of what it means to be a Alaskan, including surviving not one but two calamities in a year and two things that most of us would go, if either of those happened to me, I would curl up into a ball, let alone if both of them happened to me. And they're gripping, strange tales. And just like every phone call to this show, man, do I feel lucky that I got to have it. And I feel lucky I get to have five more years worth of these calls. That means this show is going to have been around for at least 12 years. I and mean, man, let's make it 20 and 30. And not for the money, for the fact that these are conversations where one human at a time, 
We get to just carve out a little space in the world for real people with real things to say and real stories to tell, including our Alaskan friend who has survived a number of truly nutso things. Thank you all for listening, not just today, but over the years. We survived. You all believed in me during stretches where I did not believe in myself. And that's done. We're back in a real big way. We're going to make it happen bigger than we've ever made it before. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy. Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Good morning or afternoon, I suppose. Good morning. How are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I slept in my backyard in a tent last night because we're going camping. Heck yeah. Yeah, we had to test out the tent. We'd never set up the tent before, and my son had never slept in a tent, so the family slept in a tent. But I'm also 43 years old, so my body is so sore (laughs) from one day of tent camping. So how long are you going camping for? 10 days. I'm going to be 10 times as sore. (laughs) Or you'll just acclimate to it, and it'll be fine. (laughs) One or the other. One or the other. That's a, a lot of being in your forties. It's like this is going to be fine or disaster, but it doesn't really swing yeah. that far in the other direction past fine anymore. But who am I yeah, to complain? I got uh, yeah. a good life. I got a good life. <laughs> That's pretty great, though, that you can do that. And even just camping in your backyard can be fun. I remember, like you know, being a kid and doing that. And oh no, I'm sure he was pretty excited. Yeah, oh, he was flipping out. He could not believe we were sleeping in the backyard. It blew his mind. <laughs> That's great. Nice. Well, um, have you guys? You guys have been having some heat back east, right? Yeah, the heat. Or is it kind of cooled down a little bit. Uh, it's been hot, but it's been nice hot. It hasn't been like. It hasn't officially hit a point of like, okay, everybody, global warming is irreversible, and I'm scared. Hot, like I'm starting to see news uh-huh. reports from so other far. parts of the world. It's like, oh, we yeah. can go swimming. It's it's that. <laughs> well, we have had a horribly cold summer all summer, and um, this weekend was finally the like the nice, beautiful weather that we're promised for summertime. And um, yeah, it's uh, it looks like it's going to be another gorgeous day again. And so I don't know. I feel pretty happy right now just because of that. So the sunshine really helps things. It does. It does. I was just loading some things into my calendar, like some shows I have coming up, and I saw past the point where the clocks turn back and we lose the hour of daylight. And I was I, I just <laughs> seeing it in the calendar. I was like, why? Why do we still why is it there? do this <laughs> thing that was built when we and were like... everybody is always so upset about it. Like, nobody's happy. Nobody likes it except <laughs> people in Indiana, apparently. I guess Indiana... Still, or no, Indiana doesn't even do it. They're the ones who refuse to do it, right? Nobody likes it. It was all invented at a time when America was like small, a series of small farms. It's like, no, guys, everybody's a coder who works at home now. (laughs) Uh huh. Everybody just has an Etsy store now. Why, like, give us more light. I know. 
I know. And that's, yeah, I, we've had a few different, um, like bills of legislation try to get pushed through to do away with it in our state. And, um, it, I don't know, it ends up like everybody's really gung ho about it and then it kind of peters out. So I think that like, if we did it as a nation, everybody would probably do it, but then everybody's scared they're going to be in the wrong, going to mess time up and then it's nobody can figure it out. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, what would you like to talk about today? Um, well, uh, I could, we could start with how I started my day and uh, I got up at, uh, five this morning and, uh, hopped in my airplane and went for a little flight. You so, just, um, you just have an airplane and what do you live on the runway? I do. <laughs> you live on a runway? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Explain. I'm looking at a runway right now in my front yard. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm a newer pilot, and um, I got my plane a couple years ago, and then um, some life circumstances happened, and I needed to find a new house, and I'd been searching and searching and searching for a house, and um, I found this little ranch house. It's a small little thing, and it's uh, but it's just right on a runway midfield, so you get to watch all the planes take off and land, and... Um, I like actually broke down in tears in front of my realtor and I was like, this one's going to break my heart. He's like, we can try. And I didn't get the house. Um, and, um, yeah. And so like, I was pretty sad. And then he called me like a month later and he was like, this never happens. Um, they, the other guy fell through. Do you still want the house? And I was like, yes. So, um, I've got my perfect little house that, uh, it's, you know, it's small, but it's all I need. And it's right on a runway. And I was able to bring my plane home um, this summer, feel confident enough about my abilities to land on the little strip. And uh, yeah, so it's just parked in my front yard. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Hold on. When you say parked in the front yard, how much of this is exaggeration? Like, like how much is it that you can just park a plane no. in front? Like I park my car in the driveway. It's parked next. So I moved my truck this morning so that I could pull my plane out my driveway. No, it's actually parked in my front yard. Um. <laughs> and are there other houses in this runway neighborhood? What is this? Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yep. So <laughs> it's amazing. It's, um, you know, it's a great little community. It's nice. Everybody kind of like walks around and so you start walking and you run into somebody and you automatically have like a shared interest because most people live in this neighborhood because um they like aviation uh so yeah so then you just strike up a conversation about oh what kind of plane do you have and like this that and the other and how'd you get into flying and um it's uh, you know it's a great place to start with some common ground and but yeah there's planes all around i yeah i can a plane out any window I look out of in my house. <laughs> and there's an air traffic controller in your neighborhood? No. Nope. No, we don't have air traffic control. So it's just like, it's a little private strip. Um, and um, where I live, there are some areas with air traffic control, but most of the, um, most places up here use common traffic. Uh, so it's like when I go to pull out of my driveway, I make a call. And so like I identify where I am, who I am, um, and like what I'm going to be doing. So I just say, you know, I'm going to go ahead and take the runway and I just taxi out onto the runway or drive my plane down the road a little ways, (laughs) 
go out onto the airstrip and uh, taxi down and take off. You live in Alaska. You have to live in Alaska, right? Correct. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yep. and I am not trying to make a pun here. I promise you, I'm not fine. trying to make a pun, but I'm like, this don't fly anywhere else but Alaska, where you can just be like, hey, everybody, I'm, I'm. It sounds like it's not too far away, and I'm sure you have to use official language and stuff. But it sounds like you just get on the radio, you're like, hey, everybody, I'm going to the store, so I'm going to get on the runway real quick, and then you just fly away. Right. Yep. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, yes, there's official language, but you, you're not wrong. <laughs> like you got to have your call sign or letters or whatever, right? Do you even need that much? Uh, yeah. So technically, yes. Like you're, if you do it the way you're supposed to do it, yes. Um, and uh, I haven't flown very much at towered locations. Um, I've mostly done just common traffic where... Um, you call who you are, and so you do, like, the last two numbers of your tail number, and then there's a letter on the end. So, like, the last three of your tail, tail number. Um, it's usually, and, this is 32B. Like, kind of what kind of plane you are. Yep, thir- exactly. 32B, yeah. the Cessna, if everybody could just give me a minute. 32 I'm, I'm Bravo. A... Well, 32 Bravo, yep. <laughs> and then are you, like? Going to go ahead and land uh, runway 07, Yep. And, and it's a neighborhood store. You ever like? I'm gonna. Um, I'm going to the store. If anybody need, if anybody needs anything, bring me. Uh, if you need me to bring you back milk <laughs> or anything, you just text me. I'll grab something for you. No, so not so much. But there, a lot of people don't like to identify with their tail numbers up here. So they just say kind of what their plane looks like. So they might say uh, blue and white Cub um, taking off. Um, or whatever they, yeah. Yeah. So it gets a little bit loose there. And then there's some areas where, um, I fly West a bit. And when you encounter people on the radio that, you know, um, like there's one guy that anytime that I'm in the air and I hear him and he's like, Oh, it's good to talk to you. And he always kind of sounds like he's half asleep, but then he kind of wants to chit chat on the radio and that's a bit frowned upon, but (laughs) It's always kind of entertaining. This so, is wild. Yeah. And like, so I live in a neighborhood where, you know, you start to get to know the neighbors. Like we have one neighbor who she's older, but she, and she walks a ton. And when, you know, mm-hmm. she, she spends some of the year when it gets cold in Jersey, she had someplace warmer. And then when she comes back, you see her walking and everybody's like, oh, she's back. She's walking. So lovely to see her. Or, you know, I have, like, other neighbors who always park their cars on the street. And it's just a thing of, like, uh, you get people start to make jokes about it. Of like, yeah, they don't actually use their driveway. You always got to drive around their cars. Ha, ha, ha. Or, you know, some neighbors where it's known, well, they drive a little fast. So if you're out with your, you know, like when I'm out with Cal, I got to really tell him, hey, we mm-hmm. got this one neighbor who just has lead foot. Always driving fast, so <laughs> got to be careful out there in the street, right? You get to know your neighbors and identify them through some of their quirks or, you know, some of the things that, you know, you like about them or that irritate yeah. you about them. Do you have that but with flying? Do you have neighbors where you're like, oh, they're always taking yeah. off too early or like these, these show-offs are always yeah. doing fancy stuff? Well, it's a, it it has to do a lot with when they take off. Like, so if I'm laying in my bed and I hear a plane uh, – getting ready to take off, I can tell by the way the engine sounds which of my neighbors it is because there's only certain people that take off early in the morning. 
um, and uh, you can hear the difference in the aircraft. And um, yeah, and then there's yeah, there's some more sporty pilots for sure. Um, you know, I am by far one of the most inexperienced pilots in this neighborhood, and there is such a wealth of knowledge around here. And some of these guys out here, they're like, I I mean. They're absolutely incredible pilots and have been doing it for decades. Um, but yeah, uh, but no, like you're saying with the fast drivers down the street, my daughter knows that um, I, I'll let her ride her bike around the block or something, but she knows if there's an airplane, she has to go. I don't care whose driveway or whose yard she goes in. She has to get out of the road. So, <laughs> so wait, you have a daughter so who will play in the street and... The same way that cow, I'll go car, and he gets off his little balance bike and he runs onto a line. You're like, oh, there's a there's a plane, there's a plane rumbling down the street. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> but she can hear it. You can hear him coming. Okay. I would imagine. It's, I would yeah. imagine yes. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's hard to see. Um, most of the planes are uh, tail draggers, and so like the nose is up a little bit higher. And it, it can be hard to see the road in front of you. Um, and I just always tell her that you better assume that they can't see you. So they might not be able to see a little kid. Get out of the road. I don't care where you go. Just go get in somebody's yard. <laughs> I have a lot of questions for you. Um, did you grow up in Alaska? <laughs> yeah, I was born and raised here. Born and raised. So this is part yep. of the culture for you. This is part of the culture for you. Yeah. Um, uh huh. And my dad was a private pilot. Um, okay, it's in the family. But he and my mom actually crashed in '91. Um, oh. So yeah. So my parents both. Uh, my parents. My dad flew the plane until he couldn't anymore. You know. Um, so that's one of the things is like if you have an engine out, you fly it to the ground. Um, and uh, he he flew. He kept flying the plane, and uh, I attribute it to to that, that, um, my parents both walked away from it, but, um, yeah, the, he didn't fly anymore after that. My mom was like, we're not doing any more remote cabins. I want a cabin we can drive to. So, so we've got, um, we've, we've got a place that we go to on the road system. Um, and yeah, but no flying's in the blood. <laughs> wow. And, um, and, uh, I know that for some people, there's parts of Alaska that are so remote that plane travel is necessary or that there's people in communities who fly back and forth and that's their small business of like, I will fly stock up on everything and effectively run a store. Like I'll fly, go to a Costco, load up, sell you the stuff I get at Costco. Um, a very simplistic way of putting it, but that's effectively it. Do you fly for fun or is it, or is it part of business or is it necessity for life? Um, so I fly strictly for fun right now. I'm still uh, trying to figure out what I want to be when I grow up. Um, so like the rest of everybody, I think. Um, and I'd love to do it more, um, be able to actually use it more. But no, it is, uh, it's purely a hobby for me. Mm-hmm. 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 And for your and, dad, and for your yeah. dad, was it? It was his job. Nope, it was not. He was a private pilot as well. Um, he was actually a carpenter, um, but no, he just he had a small plane and um, actually a little bit smaller than mine. And he his crash uh, 
it was actually there was a photo taken of him walking away from the plane um and the plane was like nose down um but the wings were um it was suspended in the trees there were like four trees that caught the wings so it like had yeah had it not gone quite that way like i probably could have lost my parents at a pretty young age um but yeah it was uh it was a pretty amazing photo and it made the front page of our local paper and the front page of the year-end photos for the that newspaper and uh yeah, no, he just did it. He did it for fun as well. And the plane, I don't know. I think he might have bought it back east. So he, uh, both my parents grew up back east. And so they lived, they met in Alaska, got married, and then went back east for a little bit. Um, and then when they came back to Alaska, they actually flew that plane to Alaska. So they had like a, a truck and that they drove and then my dad flew the plane, and so they took like a couple of weeks and did kind of a cross country adventure mm-hmm. with that little plane. Do you do you now? Do you fly every day? I don't fly every day. I'd like to be flying more. Our weather has been really, really horrible this summer, <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. been terrible flying weather. The last time, aside from today, the last time I went flying, I was like, I don't care that it's crummy weather. I'm just going to go. I think I can catch a like. I can catch a weather break in here. And so I took off and (laughs) the little weather hole was smaller and smaller and the clouds kind of were rolling in and coming down and I was like, dang it. So I had to just turn around and land. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So no, I wish I was flying every day. That's the goal eventually to be doing that. But Hey, I I woke up early this morning and it did it. So I got to be happy with that. Now it sounds like you fly mostly for fun. Have you ever, yeah. have you ever been able to use your plane like, you, like you bought a love seat on Craigslist and you just flew out to where it was and picked it up and flew back with it? Have you ever <laughs> used it for simple tasks or chores? I haven't used it like that. Um, I just, I pretty much use it for fun. I mean, um, going out to cabins and stuff, use it for um, flying out. Uh, to remote locations for sure. So transportation. Um, and then, yeah. Um, and then one of the things that uh, is kind of fun to do, and I was doing, uh, my boyfriend is a pilot as well. And so we were flying in his plane this spring. And uh, you can fly around and look for moose sheds. So like the moose antlers, like they shed them. And they're fun to go and like you look on the riverbanks and stuff and you find them. Um, you spot them from the air and then you land on the riverbank and you can go pick them up and collect them. Um, so we did that this spring and he's done that a lot in the past, but um, we actually ended up having a bit of a mishap on uh, that whole adventure. Um, what kind of mishap we talking? But, <laughs> well, <laughs> we put it in the trees. <laughs> put what, the plane? <laughs> yeah. You crashed a plane? <laughs> the- well, I wasn't flying, but yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. So we had, <laughs> we had spotted, um, we had spotted a shed and we had landed on this riverbank and it was a really nice area of land and it had been, the winds were completely calm. It was a beautiful day. So we had landed and we went and hiked out and, you know, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of an adventure finding them because you spot them from the air and it seems like it'd be so easy to find. And then you get on the ground and they can be kind of complicated to find. 
Um, so, you know, we were hiking around and we went and found it and like, that was great and brought it back plane and got ready to go and figured we'd go look for some more. So we took off and we went upstream just a little bit and we found like four or five more from the air. And we're like, Oh man, we got to go land back at that spot and go pick them up. It's going to be so much fun. So, um, we circled back and he went to land. Um, this was also like our third date. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he went to land and he's like, Oh, I don't like the winds that way. I'm going to circle around and go the other way. I'm like, yeah, no problem. Like do what you got to do. Uh, so he came from the other direction and I don't know exactly what happened because the way that his airplane is, is that I was sitting behind him. So I don't have as good of a view as he does. Um, and so we went and I think he flared the plane a little bit early and we bounced and he had to make a split decision as to like, does he set it down or does he go around? And, um, and it, the winds again had picked up. And so he went ahead and he decided that we needed to do a go around. So you put full throttle in and try to take off again. Well, it was really unfortunate because there's so much of this area that was clear, but the way the winds had pushed us, it just set us up just wrong. And so we were um, trying to take off again and we were about, you know, probably only like six feet in the air. Um, and our wing caught a, a small group of alders, um, some small trees and bushes and stuff. And so it just, it grabbed the plane and it, pulled us around and we crashed into the trees and you know it was uh there was that split second where you know my initial reaction was is he okay because like it, i didn't know if they had come in through the windshield yet um like it was just kind of you know it takes a second to process all of it um but you know he was fine and i was fine and so that's a good day right <laughs> everybody's okay and so that he was obviously upset, but um, handled it quite well. And we got out of the plane and had to assess the damage and what was going on. Um, so, yeah, so he got on his satellite phone and made some phone calls. And we knew that um, I was going to need a ride out of there. And uh, we needed a new prop for the plane. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so he got a friend to put some items in their airplane and fly it out to us. And in the meantime, we had to cut down all these bushes and everything and pull them out of the plane. And uh, the plane was kind of dinged up. So we had to um, do some <laughs> patchwork of the plane on the middle of this gravel bar and uh, yeah, pull some stuff off and duct tape some things, some holes back together take a look no, at what was going on duct and, tape you uh, didn't just say duct <laughs> duct tape to plane back together you didn't just say you duct tape to plane yeah. back together did yeah. you no yeah we did um <laughs> not not like a whole lot but um there were some holes in the wings that you know you obviously don't want holes in your wings no and so we were able to, to put some uh duct tape patches over those holes that um had been created wait, um wait wait wait, wait and wait. I have yeah. to pause you because this is a part of this culture that you know a lot about that I know nothing about. When you crash a plane, it's – I feel like I'm hearing you wrong. It sounds to me like you're saying you guys duct taped the holes 
and then his buddies flew up some spare parts and then he just flew out of there. Because I would have to imagine when you crash a plane that there's some governing authority that goes, we got to check that plane before it flies again. It sounds like you duct taped a plane back together and just flew away. Uh, well, this call is anonymous, but there's certain regulations that you do have to follow for sure. Like if you, if you've got, um, we were we got really lucky because the type of prop that he runs on his plane, um, if it had been my plane and that would have happened, I wouldn't have been able to fly my plane out because, um, um, because my plane my prop is metal, and so if I have a prop strike or if I hit my prop into something, it's going to mess my engine up and I'm not going to be able to do anything until I have the engine inspected and everything like that. Um, there's certain types of, there's, there's certain things that happen in airplanes that you do have to report, but there's also other things that you don't have to. So, um, and I mean, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. It's not like you can just walk over to an office. Like we didn't even have cell phone reception or anything. Um, so yeah, so we, yeah, he, his buddy flew out and we fixed the plane up and his, um, you know, he's good with airplanes and his friend is also um, really good with airplanes. So we just kind of looked it all over, made sure everything was in working order. And then I jumped in the other plane and we flew back. <laughs> and do you, do you and his friend like follow him to make sure his plane doesn't go down again? Cause now it's held together by duct tape. Well, I mean, it's, it wasn't held together by duct tape, just like a couple little holes were covered. <laughs> yeah. But you have to understand from the perspective of someone from New Jersey who flies commercially out of Newark airport, what you're describing to me right. is so from a different world. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, I do get that. So we did, um, you know, kind of the scariest part is just making sure that he can take off and doesn't have any, um, issue on climbing out or anything. And you know, he did, he let his engine run for a little bit and trying to make sure that everything seemed like it was going well. Um, and so we did let him take off first. So we were on the ground and we waited kind of out of the way while he took off. And then as soon as he took off, then, yeah, then we went in the air and we flew back together. So, you know, we were, yeah, if he had had a problem, we would have known, but he was, he had no issues and yeah, we were able to just fly it right home (laughs) and his, uh, yeah. And it, and then there were some things to take care of once we got back. So once we got it back, then, um, uh, yeah, he had to get some fabric work done on the plane. So get rid of the duct tape um, <laughs> and take care of uh, some of the dings. And um, then one of his other buddies is really good with uh, engines. And so he did go ahead and take a look at the engine as well and make sure that everything was looking good there. Um, and then there's a, there's a couple parts that he just got finished up. And so he's going to try to get those on this week. Um, but he built this plane, so he's, he, he knows what he's doing on the plane. Um, and, but you can also fly it. Those specific parts that he has to put on, they're not essential for flight. They just make your performance better. So he's, he's been flying it, um, and uh, I don't think he's going to put those on until the weather gets crummy again. And, <laughs> you know, it's going to take a little bit of time, and it'd be better to be flying than trying to work on your plane. And, you know, like I, I, a few months back, I was driving at night in the rain 
stopped at this red light jerk in front of me on the cell phone. I could see the light and I'm, the light turns green. I'm honking the horn. Come on, buddy. Let's go. He does, He's lost in the phone. I go to pull out around him and somebody was going past me. I dinged the person. Now I report this to an insurance company. It was a little scratch. Uh-huh. I had to get a little piece of my front fender replaced. I had to I had to sign off that it you know it was my fault. We had a police officer come. Their insurance contacted my insurance. Do you have insurance for planes? Yes. So yes and no. So a lot of people don't carry insurance on planes because it is so expensive. And um you and then like uh a lot of times most people only report stuff if it's if it's really major because it is so expensive to hold insurance that basically you're holding it in case you total your plane. Um, and maybe not everybody runs it that way, but that's most people that I know, that's kind of how they use it. Um, a lot of people don't hold insurance on their plane. Um, you know, with a car, a lot of times we have insurance because, you know, you hit somebody else and so now there's damage to somebody else and all of that like with a plane it it's not as common to have two planes um collide for so, sure so obviously yeah that's not the goal but so yeah <laughs> it does sound though like it's legal to just own a plane go out looking for moose antlers crash the plane into some yep. brush patch up the plane with some tape yep. fly away you don't have to tell us all about that you're good Correct. There are certain inc- uh, like there are certain things that have to be reported, but yeah, other stuff you don't have to report. So. This is cool the way you live. Yeah. How far away does your boyfriend live? <laughs> like, do you guys visit each other by car or do you fly to each other? Uh, his property. He lives. He's the house right behind me. So I walk oh. to his house. Yep. But so, there's, yeah. I like yeah, that. You right know, there. that keeps for a very honest relationship because there's no sneaking around. Sure. There's no no sneaking around. No, no sneaking around. Sneak around. You can't be like. <laughs> you, you, there's nothing. never going to be a situation where you're like, "Hey, where were you last night?" And he'll be like, "Oh, I was home." And you'll be like, "Well, I heard you fly away in a plane." <laughs> so stop lying. You flew away yeah. in a plane. <laughs> I can see your yeah, plane no, from my window. Take off. Yep. Yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's pretty crazy. Um, no, it's kind of been a wild year. There's been a lot of crazy stuff that I've had going on. Um, I don't think the plane crash was actually the craziest thing that I've had happen to me this year. Do tell. Um, <laughs> so, um, I watched my brother get mauled by a bear. How's, um, how's, he, how's he doing? Cut is to he the okay? chase. He's, o- he's okay. He okay. is okay. Okay. Um, yeah, so he's okay. Um, but yeah, it was, um, that was probably the most intense experience of my life. Um, so we were, uh, he and his buddy, they, every year they go moose hunting in this area where they hike out and they hike really far. You don't have to hike far to go moose hunting, but that's what they do. It's kind of their thing. And they've got a spot that they like to go and camp and everything. So 
this past year, my brother had shoulder surgery, so he was down to one arm, so he didn't go to this. He wasn't going to go hunting with his friend. Um, so his friend's dad went with him. Well, they ended up getting a moose, and uh, I was in between um, jobs, and so my brother called me and said, hey, like, do you think you could come help pack some moose meat out? And I was like, heck yeah, sounds awesome, let's do it. Um, because he couldn't carry a pack because he, you know, he just had shoulder surgery, so he couldn't have a pack on there. And that's a um, thing I'm familiar with. I, I once, very strange thing, I was once at a, I was once in Taos, New Mexico, and wound up in a natural hot spring at the bottom of a canyon. And there was one guy there, and me and my friends got there, and there was one guy. And he said his job mm-hmm. was that other people hunt moose and then they flag where the moose are, but moose are too big to move. And his job was to go in and basically butcher the moose on the spot and bring that person back the moose meat. That's a whole thing, huh? Huh, that's crazy. Well, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot to it. And I'm not an experienced hunter by any means. I'm not a, I'm not a hunter. I just enjoy being outside. And so they knew that I'd be up to help out. Um yeah, so we we went out to this moose, and um, <clears throat> they had not butchered it. Uh, <laughs> it's a long story as to why they didn't get more done at first, but it was a little bit of a mess. Um, just like the whole orchestrating, everybody going out there to help. So there were, let's see, there were one, two, three. There were five of us total, <clears throat> but only three that could pack meat. So... When we went to this moose, we hiked seven miles in, and it was through the mountains. And it was such a tough hike. Like, it, I mean, it was fine, but it was a really long way. And then we get to the moose, and we have to take care of all the meat. And we, we're not going to be able to pack it all out in one trip because there were only three of us, and I'm not very big. <laughs> and I, you know, I, I was taking what I could, but, um, yeah, they're – there was meat that we were still going to have to come back and get. So he's got to find a tall tree and um, hang the meat in there so that a bear can't get to it and eat it. Right. Um, so we I like that you said, right. As if about, that's like a thing right? I know. Right. Is that normal? Yeah. <laughs> you're you're <laughs> very Alaskan. <laughs> you understand you're following up a story about crashing a plane, then putting the plane back together with duct tape with a bear attack. <laughs> yes. You understand how Alaskan yeah. this is, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> as long as you're aware. We, uh, yeah. So you've, you've hung the meat high in the tree, which I like that you're like, you know, yep. you got to do that, right? Which I'm, I guess I can say theoretically I am aware that, yes, you have to hide food from bears when you are in wild environments. But I'm right. not just going to let that one pass with you being like, yeah, you know, this, this thing you do where you hike seven miles into the wilderness, butcher a moose, uh, hang the rest of the moose from the tree, and then go to hike back. Like, I'm, I can't pretend that that's just uh, right. I, I can't pretend. But anyway, continue. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so we left our trucks at about noon, and um, we hiked all through the night and you know and so we have to hike back through the mountains and it was uh, it was it was fine for me like it was kind of I like the adventure this poor guy that went with us he did not know what he was getting himself into and like I had a general idea that it was going to be kind of uh, it was going to be an adventure 
Um, and he, I don't think he had quite anticipated just how much of an adventure it would be. And so he didn't hydrate well enough, and he um, was getting these really bad muscle cramps in his quads. And he was, so we were like, at one point, we're coming down this mountain, and he's behind me, and his legs are cramping, and he's falling to the ground. And I was like, I made him drink all the rest of the fluid that I had because I thought he was going to take me out, you know, <laughs> like falling to the ground and just come slide down, get me. So. Fortunately, he was able to kind of pull it together a little bit, and we all got out um, as a group. Uh, and so, yeah, so then that day, during the day, um, my brother was like, there's got to be a better way to get back into this. And so he had looked at a bunch of maps and figured out that um, we could get there. He thought we could get there from this other direction. Uh, so going back in, we went back in, so we got back to our trucks at like seven in the morning. Um, and so that full day, we did not go back out. And the next morning, so a day later, we, we went back out. And this time it was only four of us going out. Um, the guy with the quad cramps, he did not come on this part. <laughs> um, and uh, so there were four of us that were going out there and only two that could pack meat, uh, myself and then my brother's friend. Um and, uh, but anyway, so we find this trail or my brother found this trail and it's only like three and a half miles in versus seven. That's so much better. Um, and not quite as mountainous, like still some mountains, but not, not nearly as bad. Um, but there How were mad two, were you that he hadn't uh, figured that out the first day when you're like, Oh, this is an easier trail oh, and half as long. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't mad. I was just like, we were just excited that we found a new one. <laughs> okay. overcast and everything and um kind of raining just a little bit but not a whole lot um but we were making our way um over to where the moose was and we had two different creek crossings to do and um we'd brought two dogs with us uh, my buddy's dog and at the second creek crossing we could not one of the dogs was younger and she was not about trying to cross this creek um, and so we were a little bit worried she might run off. So, um, my buddy's dad was with us and he, um, he stayed down at this second Creek because it was really close to where the moose was. It was like, there's not, all we're going to do is like the three of us will just hike up. I'll, we'll fill my pack and then, um, our friend's pack and then we'll come back. It won't take long. Like, let's just not lose the dog. So there were just three of us at this point and one dog and we're going through like these thick alders and we're making a bunch of noise, pretty aware that we could encounter a bear. Um, but like our spirits were really high cause like we made it like in our minds, like we're there and we let our guard down a little bit. And so, you know, we made some mistakes during this process and I'm sure anybody that hears this will be happy to point some of those out. But, um, I like, we learned a lot. Um, and uh, so what happened was we got through these alders and we ended up in this clearing and there's real tall grass and now we're going up a mountain, right? So we're hiking up a mountain in this kind of tall grass and we're probably like, you know, like 300 yards from where we know that that tree is that's got the meat hanging in it. 
Now, when we hung the meat, we hung the meat in a tree that was uphill from the carcass. And we did that so that we wouldn't have to walk by the carcass for bear purposes when we were coming back to get it. But now we're coming in from the opposite direction. And so it puts us in line with the carcass. And um, so my brother's buddy got really excited and we were excited. And so I was following my brother and he was just kind of setting little like markers. So we knew where our trailer was. Well, his buddy kind of peeled over to the left and um, this patch of alders is now between us and him. So we can't see him. I can only see my brother and the dog was with the friend. And so um, I see like, and I'm constantly looking up at where my brother is to make sure that like, I'm kind of still in line with him and um, going where I need to go. And so I see some movement up, um, up ahead. And I think the dog is running back over to us because like, that's just where my brain went. And it took about half a second to process. Nope, this is not a dog. This is a bear. And so there was a grizzly standing upright, like I'm sure you've seen a picture of a grizzly standing up on its hind legs, little arms at its side, ears up, and its nose just pointed straight at my brother, and he was locked in on my brother. And I'm sure that that bear had brought the carcass into those alders and was protecting what it viewed as its kill, right? Like, um, so all I had time to do was to yell, it was to yell to my brother, yell his name, Bear. And he looked up, and he's got one arm, right? He's got a trekking pole in one arm, and then the other arm is all, like, in a sling. Oh, right. I forgot and, about uh, that part. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so he's only got one arm, and so I just watched this bear. Uh, it's unreal how fast they move. They look like, oh, you know, like, they look like these fat, happy bears, but they're all muscle, and they can move like really, really fast. So it came barreling down this mountain and it just rammed into my brother and he had enough time to look at it and whack it in the head with its, with his pole, but that's all he could do. And so now I realize like our friend has no idea what's going on. He has no idea. And the only person that knows what's happening right now is me. So, um, but my, and my brother is my best friend. Um, and so, you know, there was never a thought in my mind, like we were always leaving together. That was never, there was never any other option. Um, but you know, you have to make time start going, it, it time gets all weird. Right. So I threw my poles down and I had, um, I had my pistol on my chest. And so I was able to pull that out and start letting off some rounds um, into the air because I couldn't shoot at the bear because I can't see my brother and I can't risk shooting him, right? Wait, did you mention up um, to this point that you had a pistol? Did I miss that or forget that? No. You're just dropping I, no, that in now. I don't now. think I did, but yeah. You're packing heat okay. this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 absolutely. But you get, you've got to um, try yeah. to kill this bear without killing your brother. This is a real thing that happened right. to you and after the plane crash yeah. that you survived. Oh no, the plane crash was after this thing. <laughs> oh. This was last fall. We had the the bear um incident was last September. I'm sorry, I mixed so, up the order on yeah. your bear attack and your plane crash. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
get it right. Come on. <laughs> so sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah. So, yeah. So then um, I let about three rounds off and I'm making my way up to the bear at this point. I'm trying to hike up to it um, to get a clear shot at it. And it's just like, it's crazy. There's so much, the, the tall grass, it's just like, you can just see its back, like kind of popping up and down. Um, so after about the third round, and at this point you're starting to count rounds in your head. Like I have this many bullets in my gun, like I got to be sure that I'm conserving what I've got as well. Um, but after about three, it stood up and it looked at me and I let one more off and it turned around and it took off. Well, it took off towards those alders. And where I think that it had the carcass, but also my buddy is on the other side of those alders. Um, and so I just hear my brother yell, shoot it. So I let one off at it, but then I can't keep shooting because I can't see my friend and I can't risk it. Right. Um, like that's just not an option. Um, so I yelled at my brother to come down to me. So he starts making, he runs down to me. And now I've got to yell over to our friend and let him know there's a bear and that my brother's been attacked, but also try to keep like, keep things as calm as possible. Um, so, um, so I got his attention. And so he starts making his way over um, and he's yelling, he's coming through the trees and he's like, don't shoot, don't shoot. It's me. I'm like, of course not. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so my brother gets down to me. And I was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And he's like, yeah, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. And then he falls to one knee and he goes, I mean, it bit me in the head. What? Um, <laughs> yeah, it bit me in the head. And so I'm like, well, that's not great. Um, <laughs> so when it had come down, it hit him and the bear grabbed him around his thigh and, um, and so that's where it initially was grabbing him. And then it released his thigh and it grabbed his skull. And so it had his skull in its mouth and um, it was trying, it was, you know, it was going to you know, crush his skull. Right. Um, so he, and that's probably about the time that I started getting rounds off and scared it. Um, and so um, head wounds bleed a lot. And so there was a lot of blood coming down from the back of his head. Um, and, uh, yeah, so when when our friend got there, then our friend could stand guard with um, with his gun because we can still hear the bear in the bushes. Um, the bear's, like, circling so, around you at this point? No, it's not circling around us. It's on – it's probably, like, on the carcass, um, but it's close. We're We're very close to where it is still. Um, so we have to assess like what's going on with my brother. Like, do we need to get, like, do we need to call a helicopter and get him like helicoptered out of there? Um, or can we make it out on our own? Um, so his buddy stood guard and I took a look at his leg and fortunately there were no puncture wounds on his leg. It was really badly bruised, but it wasn't punctured. And then his head, um, like I have some basic first aid training. And so I was able to take a look at his head and it was, you know, it was bleeding bad, but it was all pretty superficial. So I just like took my shirt off and tied a little thing around uh, his 
head. So I had this like purple shirt on and now my brother's got like a purple headband on tying compression around his head to make the bleeding stop. Um, and, uh, and we had a discussion as to if we like what we do next. And, um, we all decided that we hike out. So I took all of the weight from my brother. He had like a pretty, um, sizable fanny pack on. And so like, uh, we wanted him to be carrying nothing. And so I took all of that weight and some of my friends weight and we have to hike back down to where, um, his dad is and you know and so now we're coming down and we look like i'm sure we looked ridiculous he was like looking at my brother why is he wearing some sort of purple thing on his head right um and, and do you, do you, uh and i'm we not trying all... to be crude here but just so i can sense no. the picture so do you have other shirts on or does your dad see like your yeah okay so it's not like no, your, your had... dad's like why is my daughter topless and my son wrapped in a purple oh thing? yeah no and so this is my buddy's dad, actually. Okay. Um, uh, so it's our, our friend's dad. And I know I had like a sports bra on. And so it was like I had a layer I could lose. And I, you know, I was just like, I wasn't going to wait anymore to, you know, figure out what we were doing next. It was just like, whatever you've got to do, you got to do at that point. Um, yeah. So, no. So, it, I mean, we looked probably fairly normal, except like my brother was all, he's in the middle now and he's got purple thing on his head and, so, um, and he was waiting down at that creek. And when we had crossed the creek, we were using one set of boots to get across, um, one set of waders, and just throwing them back across so that we didn't have to carry, you know, multiple sets with us. Uh, and uh, the dad wore the waders across, and the rest of us were just like, we're we're not messing around with anything. We just got to get out of here. We got to uh, we got to get the hell out of here. It doesn't matter. Um, so we just like waded through and we're sopping wet on the other side and, um, decided at that point that the boys were going to run out and, um, the dad's in his sixties, he's in great shape, but you know, we're not running out through the mountains together. So he and I stuck together and my brother and his friend stuck together. And so they ran out and we hiked out, um, and yeah, and it, you know, we, then it started raining and um, we hadn't marked the trail like we thought we had marked the trail really well. But um, in the height of all of the adrenaline and everything, at some point I got on to a different game trail than the one that we had originally taken. So we got ourselves turned around a little bit and all of this great stuff. <laughs> So, you know, so then we've got, it was, it's hard to use those electronics when it's raining because they don't, you know, the water on the screen doesn't make them want to work real great. Um, but at that point, like, I don't know, I just wasn't concerned anymore. I was like, whatever, they're out. I guess we're in the woods and it's raining. Um, so, yeah, so eventually we got, and um, at one point we had, very limited cell reception to the point that a, a call came in to me and it was our friend's wife. And so I knew that they had made that out. They had made it out because she wouldn't be calling me unless she had heard from them. Um, and we were not calling anybody until we knew that my brother was out because we didn't want to, you know, we didn't want to cause people to panic. Um, so, yeah, so eventually we made it out too and we drive to the hospital and meet my brother there and, um, you know, there were a lot of different nurses and stuff that were peeking their heads in because everybody wants to see a bear wound, I guess. 
Um, but uh, he ended up getting like 13 staples in his head. Um, and yeah, they cleaned it out and got all those staples in there and sent us home. <laughs> and he's okay. So, so you survived a he's plane crash. Your brother survived a bear mauling. Your parents yeah. survived a plane crash. You're an indestructible yeah. family. I I hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, we've had some adventures and that's, I mean, my brother is just kind of a crazy guy and he has all sorts of things happen. So, um, I don't know. I, I hope his luck continues. <laughs> I'm sitting here. But, I'm trying yeah. to think of how Jersey I would have to be to be as Jersey as you are Alaska. <laughs> Oh, well, like, I'm pretty I, Jersey, yeah. but I don't think I'm half as Jersey as you are Alaskan. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I don't know. Sometimes it's like, uh, I could be doing more and I'm sure I could, but, uh, yeah, no, we've, I'd have to be sitting here, like, up here. I'd have to be like, so I'm getting chased by a hitman down the parkway. I'm eating gobble with one <laughs> hand. I got Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes on the phone telling me which way to, <laughs> to which exit to take. I, I, I I take the exit, but Chris Christie's there. Chris Christie has blocked the bridge to try to punish one of his political appointees, so there's traffic. And uh, I see Christie, and I start yelling at him. And at that point, Cory Booker comes over, and he drop kicks Chris Christie out of the way so I can keep fleeing. And Meryl Streep and Anne Hathaway are cheering me on from the sides of the road. That's how Alaska you are. I'd have to be that Jersey to match your Alaska-ness. Well, that's quite a complimentary story. <laughs> do you do you leave Alaska yeah. much? Do you come down to the lower 48 that much? Yeah, I actually. Um, I mean, during COVID, no, but um, starting to great, travel more. Um, great time my, for travel. So my mom is no. from New York. Yeah. Oh, your mom's yeah, from New York. No, right, exactly. My mom is from New York originally. Um, so uh, my grandfather passed away this past year. And, um, actually, so he was, uh, um, the, there were only two remaining of 11 of his siblings and he and his brother, his youngest brother were very, very close. And my grandfather passed away and then 18, oh no, his, his brother passed away. And like 16 hours later, my grandfather passed away. Um, so we did a combined memorial for them up near Albany. Um, so I flew, we flew back there, uh, for that. So it was in New York and then New Hampshire, um, in June. Mm-hmm. So I was just back mm-hmm. there. I flew into New York. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I get back there for that. And, uh, I went to school, you know, down in the States as well. And, um, we growing up, both sets of my grandparents were back east, so we would fly back east pretty regularly. And when you come, when you come down here, like when you fly into Newark and you're hanging out in New York, does it seem lame to you, or boring, or cartoonish in its own way? I wonder what your reaction. No. Is. So for me, like I love being back in New York, and I have so many good memories back there, and um, I. Uh, you know, I, um, I just think it's beautiful. I think that there, I think every place has, um, so many different things to offer. Um, 
but no, it doesn't seem cartoonish to me. No. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my aunt and uncle have a place that's like right on the Hudson and it's gorgeous. Um, so we, you know, stayed there for a week beforehand and just really enjoyed that. And yeah, I don't know. Every place is different. Uh-huh. Cause everything you've described <laughs> to me about your life sounds mm-hmm. like a cartoon of Alaska. Well, okay. So here was the other part was that when we were, I had this Snickers bar. I love Snickers, but I don't let myself eat it that often. And I had this Snickers bar in my backpack. And when we got to the moose, that was going to be my reward was to eat my Snickers bar. But then my brother got mauled by a bear. So I never ate my Snickers bar. So like, so then a, a few days later, I decided, okay, I'm just going to go. It's time to get back outside and make sure that, you know, we didn't want this to affect the way that we live our lives. And we didn't want this to deter from how we approach being outdoors. And so I just took my plane and went and flew out to a pretty remote spot by myself and sat there all by myself with my plane. And I was armed because still having a little bit of (laughs) some memories going on from that attack. Um, (laughs) but just ate my Snickers bar in the sunshine with my airplane by myself <laughs> Andrea, <laughs> and my gun, I suppose. Andrea, if we could just take a note that we need to let the advertising team know to contact Snickers because this just turned into the greatest branded content <laughs> Snickers could ever hope for. As you described heroically saving your brother as a bear is trying to eat his head. Literally. That is not an exaggeration. Yeah, literally. You're nope. shooting a bear with a gun while a gun while the bear tries to chew on your brother's head. Let's also keep in mind too, Correct. your brother who's not even at a hundred percent. It's not even a fair fight. Your poor brother, your poor nope. one armed brother. <laughs> the bear's trying to eat your poor yep. one armed brother's head, and you shoot yep. the bear. Yep. Disrobe, use your clothes to stop the bleeding. Get your brother out of there, and then you fly to a yep. peaceful, quiet place and chew down on a Snickers bar. Man, I there's people who are going to accuse me that this was some sort of unless you're some maniac that calls all sorts of podcasts trying to get Snickers placed on them. I promise you, I don't know a thing about it. If you're some sort of Snickers mole, this was not something I signed off on. But let's please alert the advertising team that we need to reach out to Snickers, please. I would just love it if it could be this episode is brought to you by Snickers. You will soon see why. (laughs) Yeah, I bet that Snickers tasted even better than usual, right? Yeah. Yep. Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) Oh. I haven't even asked you, like, what you do for money. (laughs) Uh, I'm actually an engineer. And uh, it's pretty complicated. Um, oh, we've so you're like a genius. Before. We have you've called the show yeah. before. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. So should I have figured that out a while ago? I don't know. Probably did we, not. Did we talk about Alaska um, in the last one? Yep, we did. We did, and then wait, and did I, I told I, you about the mud flat? Did I meet you and, at the conference? Uh, Were my, you at, no, I didn't get to come. No, nope. oh, I met another. I met another no. Alaskan there. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and so my ex-boyfriend, he was, um, he was a mi- he did mining, and mm-hmm. I was telling mm-hmm. you about building the airstrip out remote. And, yes, of course, yeah, all of that. <laughs> of course. Well, I was about to say everyone from Alaska calls the show it involves aviation, but it actually makes a lot more sense that you've called twice. 
rather than yeah. me thinking <laughs> everyone has aviation related <laughs> lesson calls. It, there are a lot of people up here that are into aviation as well, but yeah. <laughs> um, now I'm going to let you know, yeah. my friend Andrea has taken over as the call screener for the show. You're the, f- this is the first call Andrea's screen. And I can see in our group chat doc that Andrea is beating herself up that you slipped through twice on her watch on call one. <laughs> well, I like, I didn't get all my friends to call in and get on the show, so... Oh, yeah. We have, yes, you have descended into super villainy. I, ha- I haven't done that yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Well, it's good to talk Not to you yet. again. I'm sorry to hear yeah. that in the time since we spoke, you've been doing nothing but uh, cra- living through other people's nightmares. Plane crashes and bear attacks, two nightmares of mine. Yeah. yeah. Well, I survived both, and... Everything's good. We're good to go. <laughs> Still got to get outside and enjoy it. I love that you call it's me every time life. you're bored. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, life has been actually very crazy since I talked to you last. There was a lot going on um, that I did not mention at that time and um, made some life changes. And boy, I'm just happy as can be. I'm just grateful to be alive and life is tough but um shoot there's just so much good out there and i just have never been happy in life well our time is up i'm happy to hear that you're happy i'm happy to hear that you're safe i'm happy to hear that you've survived all these horrific things that i wish upon no one i've had actual (laughs) nightmares about things you've lived through and i'm glad you lived through them and i'm so glad we were able to talk Thank you. Thank you. And all the best to you and your family. And uh, sorry for slipping through the cracks on this one. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Andrew's going to be so pissed. (laughs) Not at me, I hope. (laughs) You have a wonderful day, Chris. You too. Caller, thank you so much for calling yet again. Great to speak to you. I hope this next year has less animal attacks and disasters in it and that no vessels you're in crash. What a nice thing to be able to say that to someone and mean it so genuinely. Thank you for calling us. Thank you to our producer, Andrea Quinn, for all your hard work on the show. Thank you to Shell Shag for the theme music. You want to know more about me? When I'm out there on the road, when I'm doing shows, chrisgeth.com. Hey, wherever you're listening, there's a button. It says subscribe, favorite, follow. Helps us so much when you hit that button, so please think about doing so. And if you like the podcast, tell people about it. Word of mouth is by far the best form of advertising you can give, especially for a show that's seven years in. Let people know we're out here. Let people know we're doing our thing. It is much appreciated. Thanks for listening. Yeah.